Good morning. Our reading this morning is 1 John 4, 9 through 10. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Like Alex said, my name is Nathan. Uh, I work at City Light North. I'm on staff there, and I lead the youth ministry. I've been there for about um, a little over a year on staff and been there since we planted. Um, It's just, yeah, it's it's a really cool opportunity to be here with you guys this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and like you said, too, it's also awesome to be back in the room again. Um, Just a few years ago, before City Light North planted, my wife Sarah and I were here with um, at City Light South, and so it's a joy to be back in the room worshiping the King with you guys this morning. Um, this morning, it's the second week of Advent, and Advent is just an awesome time to celebrate Jesus coming to the earth as a human, as a little baby, um, and then living and dying for us. And so, yeah, it's just a really awesome time. Today, we're going to talk about love. And love is one of those words that maybe it's lost a little bit of meaning for us. Um, There's a lot of different ways that we use it now for a lot of different things. Um, And then also, we're also going to be talking about God's love for us. And that's also something that's maybe lost a little bit of meaning. Um, So this morning, as we dive in and we see what the scripture has to say about God's love for us, I'm just going to pray before we start and just ask the Spirit to really reveal to us Um, God's love afresh this morning. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to come worship you. Um, Thank you for your son, Jesus. I just ask that you'd be with us this morning, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would uh, reveal to us again your love, and that you would just have that love penetrate our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Before we jump in, um, I have a question for you guys. How do you know when someone loves you? How do you know when someone loves you? Kind of like, uh, I think it was Josiah, what he was saying was that how I know when someone loves me is is by their actions, right? Um, They can't just tell me that they love me, they have to show it. And so... um, Yeah, we've all heard the phrase that like love is a verb, right? How someone acts is how they show us that they love us, right? So like for example, I love it when my wife tells me that she loves me, but the reason why I know that she does deep down is because of her actions, because she uh, forgives me when I make mistakes, because she wants to get to know me, because... um, she shows me, yeah, she showed me grace because she listens to me when I'm down, because she helps me when I'm sick. The reason why I know that my wife loves me is because her words back up her actions. If she sim- simply told me that she loved me, but she didn't do any of these things, then I might begin to question, right? And so what about with God? How do we know that God loves us? We can be told by our pastor or by our friend, or we can read it in the Bible that God loves us, but how do we know? How we be sure. When God feels distant or when we have sinned, it can be so easy to doubt that God loves us. 
I don't know what you guys have going on. Maybe you've been praying for healing for a long time and it feels like God hasn't answered. Maybe you've recently lost a loved one. Whatever it is, whatever your circumstances are, it can be so easy to question whether God loves you or not. Or I think we can think that we have to clean ourselves up for God to love us. Um, Or we have to fix what we're doing wrong. For me, whenever I sin, uh, one of the first things I ask is, how can God love me right now? Or I say, I bet he's lost some love for me. Um, I think we can question, could God really love someone who so frequently doesn't love him back? Does he really love someone who so openly and willingly disobeys him? Or we think that we have to clean ourselves up to get back in his good books. But this morning, I think we're going to see that that's not the case. This morning, I think we're going to see that God has proven his love for us, that he doesn't just tell us that he loves us. He shows us with his actions. That's kind of my my main idea for this morning. My main idea is this. God has proven his love for you. God has proven his love for you. We can have confidence this morning in the fact that God does love us. But don't just take my word for it. I would encourage you all, open your Bibles this morning and follow along in our text and see if the Bible actually does say that he's proven his love for us. This morning, as was just read, we'll be in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. As you're, as you're getting there in your Bibles, I just want to give you uh, some quick context on the book that we call 1 John. I think that it'll be helpful for us this morning as we jump in. 1 John is a letter, and it's most likely written by the Apostle John who wrote the gospel account that we call John. But it doesn't feel like maybe one of Paul's letters that maybe we're a little bit more familiar with. It actually reads a little bit more like a poetic sermon. And in this sermon, John is writing to a group of house churches. One of the main reasons that he's writing this letter is that a bunch of people have just left these churches and they've denied that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So these are churches that have just gone through a crisis. They may be left doubting God, who he says he is, and how he feels about them. John is writing to reassure these churches of two things. One, that Jesus is the Son of God, and two, that they have eternal life if they place their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. John talks a lot in this letter about the deity of Jesus. He wants these churches to be clear that Jesus is God. He wasn't just a human. He wasn't just an incredible prophet or a teacher who did a bunch of miracles. He is God. Jesus is 100% God, and he added 100% humanity to his person. He's a part of what we call the Trinity. He's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And I think this is vitally important uh, for the churches that John was writing to and vitally important for us, um, because these churches and us, sometimes we doubt Jesus' identity. So as we jump in, it's important just to remember that Jesus is God. We're going to see in these verses that God sends the, the God the Father sends God the Son, but it's important to note that the Son isn't less than the Father. And so now now that we've uh, understand that a little bit, let's jump into our text and see what it says about God's love for us. The first half of verse 9 says this. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son into the world. 
We'll stop there for now. We see here that it says that the love of God was revealed among us by God sending his son. And I think this truth has grown a little bit old and tired for some of us. If, if you're anything like me, you've probably heard that your entire life, especially around Christmas time. But I think one of the reasons why it's grown old is because we don't understand what it costs Jesus to come from heaven to earth. We all know that life can be difficult. We deal with pain and loneliness and sadness on a daily basis. Even, but even on our best day, something bad has probably happened or something not perfect has happened. But Jesus, before he came, he had existed eternally in perfection. Before he came to earth, he knew what perfect felt like. And yet he still came to earth. He came to this broken earth. And he did it because he loves you. And I was trying to think of an example that would maybe make this real for us. And the best one um, that I could come up with is it made me think a little bit about our missionary partners at City Light North. We have a group of missionary partners that left America and they moved to West Africa. And so um, they left one of the most affluent countries in the world and they went to one of the most poor countries in the world. They left their family and their friends and they did it so that they could share the gospel of Jesus with people who had never heard of him before. They experience things that we don't experience here um, because life is just a little bit harder there than it is here. But yet they go because they want people to hear about Jesus. But this is just a small picture of what Jesus did leaving heaven to come to earth. The, um, the difference between America and West Africa is nothing compared to the difference between heaven and earth. If, um, Jesus left total and other perfection, utter perfection to come to a world filled with brokenness. He experienced temptation by Satan himself. He was exhausted from working too hard. He was hungry. And for all eternity, he hadn't experienced these things before he came to earth to be a human. And he didn't have to subject himself to this, but he did it because he loves us. This is an incredible truth, church. This verse not only shows that God says he loves us, but that he backed it up with love. He proved it. We have assurance that God loves us because Jesus really did come to earth. This season we can celebrate because the, the God of the universe left the comforts of heaven to come to earth. But not only did Jesus willingly come himself, God the Father, this verse says God the Father sent his son into the world. What would you be willing to send so that somebody else could have life? What would you be willing to send so that somebody else could have life? I think most of us would maybe send some money so that someone else could have life. Maybe we'd send some money um, to, so starving children across the world could have life. Maybe we'd give some old clothes or some, some supplies. Maybe we'd even organize for our whole church to send presents to children uh, through Operation Christmas Child. Maybe we would give some money or some food to a homeless person on the street so that they could have life. Um, or maybe we would even go ourselves for a little bit. Maybe we would send ourselves for a couple weeks so that someone else could live. But would you willingly give up your own life so someone else could have life? What about the life of your child? Would you give up the life of your child so that someone else could live? 
If you were to do that, you would have to really love the person that you were sending your child for, for them to have life, right? You would have to really care about them to do that. Church, this is how much God loves you. He willingly sent his only beloved son into the world. And he knew that he was going to suffer and die, yet he did it anyway. Not only does God say he loves you, but he's backed it up. But God didn't just do this to prove his love. If you read the rest of verse 9, it says this. It says, He sent his, own, his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live through him. God, sent his, God did it because he wanted us to have life. God didn't send Jesus to prove his love for us because he needed something from us. He wanted something for us. He wanted life for us. Would you say that you're experiencing life through Jesus this morning? Would you say that your relationship with God is life-giving today? I think that often a lot of us would say no. Often we can feel alone and distant from God, like we're trudging through the day-to-day, and it's all up to us. Especially in the winter when it's cold and everything's busy, day-to-day can feel like a grind. And God can feel like a distant observer. But God became a human so that we could live through him. So how do we do that? How do we live through him? This might sound a little cliche, but we do it by spending time with him. The book of Hebrews talks about Jesus being a great high priest that understands what we're going through. And like Alex talked about last week, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us so that we could have constant connection with God. God knows that the way to life is constant connection with the source of life. So what does your time with God look like? Do you stay connected with the source of life? One reason why I think that our relationship with God is often not life-giving is because we only reserve a small portion of our day for connection with Him. Maybe we have a morning devotion, or maybe we talk to Him a couple times throughout the day, or maybe we don't really talk to Him much at all. But Jesus didn't come to earth just so that he could talk to us a couple times a week. He did it so he could spend our whole lives with us. He came to earth so he could walk with us through joy and sorrow, through trial and tribulation, through happiness and through the bad times. And this doesn't necessarily have to look like us spending an hour or two a time with God. But if I only spent a couple minutes, a couple minutes at a time every Three or, three or four times a day with my wife, what would my relationship with my wife look like? This Christmas season, will you, spend, will you make it a priority to spend time with the person who loves you the most? Will you make it a priority to spend time with the person who loves you the most? I would encourage you to do so. It'll be so, so worth it. So far, we've seen that God has proven his love for us by sending his one and only son so that we could live through him. And if that isn't enough, there's more. Let's look at verse 10 and see how else God has proven his love for us. Verse 10 starts like this. Love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. We'll stop there again for now. We see here that this verse starts similarly to the last verse. It says, love consists in this. 
the verse that the, the word that's translated consists there, it, uh, it means to be or to exist. So another way we could say that is love is defined by this. How is love defined? It's not by our love for God, but by his love for us. This is a vitally important truth. God's love for us is what defines what real love is like. This is important because one of the reasons why I think we don't understand how much God loves us is because we define love by our human brokenness version of love. But real love is God-like love. So what is God-like love like? The first characteristic of God-like love that we see in this passage is that God loves the unlovely and the unlovable. Verse 10 says, not that we have loved God. Alex mentioned last week, this last week, but Paul even goes a step further in his letter to the Romans, and he says that we were enemies of God. Not only did we not love God, but we were in opposition to him. We wanted nothing to do with him, yet he loved us. I also think sometimes we forget how unlovely we actually were before Jesus and how unlovely we can be today. I think we've found a way to project a certain image of ourselves to the world where we don't love un- look unlovely and we don't, where we don't show that side of ourselves. We treat people well to their face. We give money to the church and to charity. We don't steal and we really try hard not to lie. But I think actually sometimes what we've done is we've created a whole new set of standards. But our internal reality looks so much different than our outside reality often. The truth is, we are nowhere near close to God's standard, and yet he loves us anyway. God loves the unlovely. And what what about us? How do we love? I think sometimes even the people that love us the most, we find it hard to love, right? We treat our spouse or our best friends far too poorly sometimes. Um, or we love our friends when it's convenient to us. We might even go as far as helping our friend to move, but only if they provide pizza. If this is the type of love that we have for the people closest to us, how do you think we're doing with loving the unlovely? This Christmas season, as Josiah said, would we love people who are unlovely like Jesus loves people who are unlovely? But God loves us despite the fact that we often don't love him or the people that he created in his image. God-like love is characterized by his love for the unlovely. Human love is very reciprocal, but God-like love is not like that. God gives and gives and gives love even when he's not receiving it back. At the end of verse 10, we see another characteristic of God-like love. So let's read verse 10 one more time together. It says this, Love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The second characteristic of God-like love in this passage is that it's sacrificial. Ricky said it this way in sermon prep this week, and I thought it was awesome. He said, God's love language is sacrifice. God's love language is sacrifice. This passage teaches us that the way God shows love is through sacrifice. It says God sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for 
for our sins. And we don't really use the word atoning sacrifice a ton these days, so you might be wondering what that is and why Jesus needed to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. To understand that, we have to kind of go back a little bit to the story of the Bible. So in the beginning, God created the world. He's the maker, the giver, and the sustainer of all life. Nothing that has existed or will exist exists without God. He created us and anyone we have ever met. And he, and he is the reason that we are even alive today. And not only that, but he created us to be in relationship with him. But humanity decided against that. We decided to separate ourselves from him. And not only that, we were opposed to him. We were enemies of God. Because of our actions, we have all been separated from God that is where the atoning sacrifice comes in. For God to be a just and righteous God, he had to punish sin and rebellion. He couldn't simply look over it and forget it. But what he didn't do is he didn't require something from us. He did it himself. He provided himself. He provided his son. This is the difference between God and anything else we could place our faith in. Anything else that we place our faith and trust in will require something of us that it will not give us in return. But God is not like that. Whether it's your job or your security or the government or your finances, whatever you could put your faith in will require something of you that it won't give you in return. But God has provided everything that we need. He provided his son, Jesus. God is a God of both justice and love. He couldn't go against his character and not, by not leaving sin unpunished, but he punished his son instead of us because of his great love. God sent Jesus to take the punishment that we all deserve. All of God's wrath towards sin was placed on Jesus' shoulders. He allowed him to be mocked and beaten and reviled. He allowed him to be hung on the cross all because he loves you. All because he wanted a relationship with you. And church, this is amazing news. God loves you and he shows it through sacrifice. So just to recap a little bit this morning, so far we've seen that God doesn't just say he loves us, but he has shown it through his actions. He did that by sending his son to earth and by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But a question that's been swirling around my head all week is, is this enough? Am I satisfied by this? Are we satisfied by this? Or do we want more? If I'm honest with myself, often it isn't enough for me. Even though I know, um, even though I know these things to be true, I often feel like God doesn't love me. And sure, I'm grateful for everything that he's done for me, but often I think the past is the past. What is God doing for me now? Often, as humans, we aren't satisfied with what God has done. We want more. But church, if this news doesn't satisfy us, then nothing else will. No job, no spouse, no bigger bank account, nothing will satisfy us no other gift from God will satisfy us if this gift, the gift of his son, does not satisfy us. But here's the incredible thing. Despite that, God still continues to pour out his love on us. Even though he knows that we can so often be ungrateful, he doesn't stop showing his love through his actions. 
He has been proving his love to humans since the beginning, since Adam and Eve. He has been the one initiating love forever. You can have confidence in the fact that God has loved his people for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and that he still loves you today. So how should we respond to this news? How should we respond to God's incredible love for us? Firstly, I think our response would be to accept God's love, to receive it. If you've never received God's love this, this morning, I would encourage you to do so. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, I would encourage you to do so this morning. Accept it, receive it. It's a free gift that God has given us. He's given us a way to get back into relationship with him. And so this morning, if you've never done so, I would encourage you, accept the love, receive the love. He doesn't require anything of you. He provided his son for you, and all you have to do is believe that he did that for you. Or if you've known God for a long time, I think sometimes um, we can think that God requires more of us than he used to. And this morning, I would just invite you, accept God's love afresh today, knowing that you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be better to receive God's love. He loves you today just as you are. Would you accept that afresh this morning, knowing that God feels deeply about you? He feels so deeply about you that he sent his son to die in your place. And when we receive God's love, it will naturally produce an overflow. God's love for you is so big. It's big enough to become a human and to die in your place. And so as we understand God's love for us, it will fill us abundantly and it will overflow. And so God-like love is characterized by sacrifice and loving the unlovely. This Christmas season, who is someone unlovely that you can show love to? As you receive God's love... I would encourage you to pour out that love on someone else this Christmas season. Think of someone in your life who is hard to love, or maybe someone who you just haven't been loving very well recently, and respond to God's love for you by loving them. And as we close this morning, I just want to encourage you once more. This Christmas season, make it a priority to spend time with the person who loves you the most. Sit in God's presence. Ask him how he feels about you. Ask him to reveal the ways that he is proving his love for you even today. Often we get so caught up in our circumstances that it's hard to see how God loves us, but God wants to love you. He's proven it this morning by sending his son Jesus to die for you. And so I think as we spend time with him and we ask him to reveal the ways he's loving us, he will show us those things. So this Christmas season, would you spend time with the person who loves you the most? And as we, as we finish up, be assured this morning that God loves you. He has proven it. He doesn't just say it, but he backs it up with action. I'll pray and we'll be done. Jesus, thank you. Um, Thank you so much for coming to this earth. Thank you so much for being born a baby, for, yeah, leaving the comforts of heaven, leaving perfection, and coming to this broken, broken world. Thank you that you lived the perfect life that we cannot live. 
Thank you that you willingly took the punishment for our sins. And thank you that you rose again from the dead. Would you pour out your love on us afresh this morning? Would you prove to us again that you love us? But would we just be reminded this morning that you have done the ultimate. You have given us the ultimate gift. Thank you so much for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.